as we just sung, we are going to hear uh, the story of Jesus breaking the bread and feeding the 5,000 uh, beside the Sea of Galilee. Uh, that can be found on uh, page number 1,520. We're looking at Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as always, we come before you recognizing that um, we need both your word and your spirit to hear your voice. And so we pray, God, that you would uh, use your spirit, send your spirit to apply your word to our hearts, that we might understand, and that we might worship your Son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. Well, we all know that our world is full of people who are hungry and hurting. There's a lot of pain and suffering in this world. All you have to do is turn on the news to know that's true. Some are suffering physically because of sickness, or some are suffering because of oppression. Others suffer spiritually because of sadness and sorrow and unbelief. Some are suffering relationally because of loneliness or conflict. And it can sound cliched and corny to say, well... If they only knew Jesus. Because many of us here this morning know Jesus. And we are still hurting or sad. And for people who don't have Jesus, we wonder, well, how can we reach out and help them while we're buried under our own suffering? Don't we have to care for ourselves before we can 
care for them. And even if they do come to know Jesus as the Lord and as their Savior, they might still be hungry and hurting and sad, like us. How do we live in this world as sinners and sufferers ourselves? And how can we love and care for other sinners and sufferers along the way? Well, this morning we turn again to consider who Jesus is and what he's like and how his life and his teaching and his person answer these really difficult questions that we're all asking. So first, we're going to look at the fact that Jesus cares. And Jesus wants us to care. And finally, Jesus is all we really need. So Jesus cares. So our story begins with Jesus suffering. He hears some news that apparently shakes him to the core. Normally, we don't see Jesus get rattled. Nothing ever gets him off his mission or makes him retreat from what he's doing. And this doesn't either, but it seems like it does. In this moment, he hears some news that stuns him so much that he gets on a boat to go off and be by himself. Matthew tells us, when Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And the first thing I wrote down in my notes when I started studying this passage was, when Jesus heard what? What did he hear that provoked this response in him? That he wanted to be alone. And the best explanation is that Jesus has just heard the news that John the Baptist has been killed. And even though Matthew told us the story of John's death as a flashback, filling us in about something that had taken place in the past, it was probably a flashback to the very recent past. John has been dead for days or weeks before our story, and Jesus is just now hearing about it. And his response is incredibly human. He's sad. He wants to be alone. Let's just think a moment about what Jesus' life was like He's now a famous teacher and miracle worker. He's so famous that Herod has just heard about him. Everywhere he goes, someone wants something from him. And for the most part, Jesus makes himself available to at least someone most of the time. When he's not healing and casting out demons and teaching, He's pulling his disciples to the side in a house, and he's bringing them along in their understanding. He's explaining his parables to them. And if we do hear about Jesus being alone, it's usually very early in the morning or late at night. But in this moment, he's so overwhelmed by what he hears in the middle of the day that he wants to be alone. Now, Jesus is also God. He's the one who chose to leave John in prison this whole time. In his divine mind, he knew that the way John the Baptist was going to prepare the way for him 
was by suffering with doubt in prison and then dying a premature death at the hands of Herod Antipas. And yet, John was a man that Jesus loved and respected. John was the one chosen to baptize the Son of the living God. And he was also Jesus' cousin. And so his death means that Jesus' death is next. But Jesus was not able to be alone. We're told, hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. So we have Jesus getting on a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. And then we have these crowds that, that follow him. So it's almost like the picture here is uh, this original crowd sees him get on the boat and leave, and then they follow him, and they pick up more people in the towns along the way, and then they actually beat him to the other side of the lake where he's going. And that's kind of a head-scratcher for us, because it seems to us you ought to be able to make it across the lake long before a crowd can make it around there on foot. Well, most commentators uh, suggest that what happened was Jesus got on the boat, he had a strong headwind, and the crowd, they could actually, in the Sea of Galilee, it's in a bowl. And so if you stood back, you could actually watch a ship make it all the way across. And so they were able to make it across before him. Mark helps us a little bit here, tells us that they were running. And so this picture we have is of this crowd making their way across because they see where Jesus is going. And again, just imagine what this would be like for Jesus. He's just heard the terrible news about John. He's full of grief. All he wants is to be alone, probably for some time to pray, to reflect on what's happened and what it means. He just wants to be away from the crowd for a moment. He gets to the other side, and there they are. It's like that cartoon where you're trying to get away from the other cartoon character, but every door you open, there he is. It'd be like, leaving your children home with the babysitter and going out on a date only to be sat down at a table with your children. You come home from work and there's your boss and your customers in your living room. You just get in your car and drive away. That's what we would do. But when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Let's not forget that these crowds are the people who've been rejecting Jesus. They want Jesus for what he can do for, him, but for them, but they're not willing to fall down and worship him as their Messiah and their King. And he heals them anyway. Mark tells us that he taught this crowd. Matthew tells us that he healed the crowd. Luke says he taught and healed the crowd, probably both. No rest for the weary. No time to mourn for the grieving. Instead, Jesus spends the day pouring himself out, healing these people in the midst of his grief. We talk a lot in our culture about self-care. We feel entitled to rest. We're constantly encouraged to take time to recharge. We need it. We deserve it. And if we don't take care of ourselves, the logic goes, how can we take care of other people? 
And while there's obviously something true about that, certainly if you're sick and dead, you can't care for anybody. But the question I ask myself is, when are we rested enough? And who gets to decide when we're rested enough? I think self-care started out as a good thing, but I wonder sometimes if it's become a license not to care. I wonder if we've so elevated our felt need for rest and rejuvenation that we've convinced ourselves that it's actually a sin to get out of our comfort zone on behalf of others. And I say that because the example Jesus sets here reminds us that we will always be inconvenienced by love. We will always be inconvenienced by love. Many times to truly love others will require giving and giving past the point of exhaustion, past the point where we have any emotional or physical resources left. Just think of the sleep-deprived mom. Think of the parents raising a disabled child. Or the season of life when we are with our parents as they're dying. And here Jesus is, pouring himself out just like that, not for parents or children, but for crowds of people who've rejected him as their Messiah and King. And he does it all day long. Which takes us to our second point. Jesus wants us to care. Matthew goes on, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So it's getting late. People are hungry. Probably no one would starve if they missed a meal or two. And so you almost get the feeling here that it's the disciples who are done. They're the ones who are ready to call it a night and send the crowd away so that they can get some rest. It's possible that the crowd's been following him for a couple days and maybe they are truly hungry and they haven't eaten. But notice, they don't want to leave. It's the disciples who want them to go. They want to stay in spite of their hunger. And so Jesus tells the disciples, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. So the disciples see a need. They look around, and from what they can tell, it's impossible to meet that need. And so they wash their hands of it. And I have to confess that this is in my heart too. The scenario that, that pops in my mind to illustrate this is there are it seems like a lot, actually. I, I get off the freeway, and there will be a homeless person standing there on the side of the road holding a sign asking for money. And I'm going somewhere that I at least feel like I have to go to. I see no way of helping this man. And, in, and even if I did have the cash in my pocket to give to him, I, I do not believe that giving it to him would necessarily be the best thing for him. So there's a need, I have no ability to meet that need, and what I do, and I don't know if you do this or not, but this is what I do, I kind of just harden my heart. 
and I just look straight ahead, and I don't make eye contact, and then I drive away, and then out of sight, out of mind. Didn't happen. I don't have to care. Because it's painful in that moment to care, especially when I don't have the resources to meet that need. And this represents an even larger need in our community. There's homeless encampments springing up all over the place, under bridges, on the side of the freeway, that I feel even more powerless to help with. Some get angry about. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's all kinds of problems in our society. Every bit is overwhelming and unsolvable. Division, corruption, poverty, anxiety— I keep hearing about people leaving the church, losing their faith in God. There's always been immorality in our country, but where it used to be secretive and people used to be judgmental, now it's normal and celebrated, which is not an improvement. It's so much more destructive for society. And I feel just like the disciples. I look at all these problems and I think, well, y'all got to go home. I can't help you. Oh, look, Friends is on. I don't have what it takes. Jesus, tell everyone they have to go. The problem's too big for me. But see, the real problem is not that I don't have enough knowledge or resources or wisdom, which I don't. The real problem is that I don't have enough compassion. I would have looked at that crowd just like the disciples and thought, I can't help you. You see, Jesus is not trying to make the disciples do the impossible. He's, he's showing them their hearts. He's showing them that the real problem is that they don't even care about the crowd. Because if they did, they would have turned to Jesus and said, this crowd is hungry, Jesus. If it be your will, you can, you can help them. What can I do, Jesus? I can't solve the homeless crisis, but I can still have compassion. We even do the same thing for other problems closer to home. I don't have the resources to heal my marriage. It's easier to stop caring. I don't have the resources to heal my family. Just wash my hands of it. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, the disciples answered. Jesus, we can't do it. This is all we have, and this is what we were going to eat. These loaves would have been about the size of a dinner roll. So five loaves, two fish, that's enough food for one person, maybe two. And everywhere we look, there's hungry people who need healing in society, in our own families, here in our own church. We don't have what it takes, but Jesus wants his disciples to know that they are responsible to give the people what they really need. But you see, what the people really need is Jesus. We said earlier that it can sound cliched or corny to say, if they only knew Jesus. But see, that's a lie from Satan. He's the one 
He's the one who wants to persuade us to believe that it's corny or cliched to say that. Because knowing Jesus and feeding on him, that is what we all need to heal our souls. And that is the one thing that we have to offer to a lost and hurting world. Because Jesus is all we really need. And Jesus knows this too. Bring them here to me, Jesus said. Jesus invites us to take our resources to him, lay them at his feet. Don't send the problem away. We come to him with it. Jesus, in my own strength, I cannot continue to have compassion for my son or my husband or my wife. Jesus, in my own strength, I cannot continue to care about all the unsolvable problems in this world. God, I want to wash my hands with it. I want to blame someone else for it. I want it to just go away. But Jesus, you can help me and you can help them. Matthew goes on. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves and then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. So he took... He gave thanks, he broke, and he gave. He took, he gave thanks, he broke, and he gave. Does that sound familiar? Later in Matthew 26, on the night Jesus is betrayed, he's in the upper room with his disciples eating the Last Supper, and we read, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Now, Jesus is not serving this crowd the first Lord's Supper. He's not switching out fish for wine. He really does institute the Lord's Supper the night he was betrayed. However, there's a reason why the feeding of the 5,000 is the only other miracle story other than the resurrection that we find in all four Gospels. There's something very significant about the fact that Jesus takes bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it away. And it doesn't end until verse 20 when they all ate and were satisfied. So here's the crowd. They were sick. Now they're healed. They were hungry. Now they're full. All because Jesus, in the midst of his grief and sorrow, had compassion on them. He didn't send them away to find satisfaction somewhere else. He was the one who took and gave thanks and broke and gave and gave and gave and gave until they all were satisfied because he is the only one who can do that. And the Lord's Supper points us to Jesus and his body broken for us, his blood poured out for us. The Lord's Supper reminds us that he didn't just die for us, but that he gave himself to us. And when we eat the Lord's Supper, we don't just receive bread and wine or even the body and blood of Jesus, but by faith we receive Jesus himself. And that's the connection to our passage today. When Jesus takes bread and gives thanks and breaks it and gives it away, he's showing us that he is the infinite source of everything we need. Now that crowd, those who were healed that day, they died. Those who ate that day were hungry again. 
So this miracle, this sign, is meant to point us to him because he is all we need. And he is willing to give himself away because he has compassion on us. He sees our sin and our brokenness. And he desires to heal us and defeat us because he's the only one who can. And even though we don't have the resources, we can bring him everything we have and it will be enough in his hands. In fact, it will be more than enough. Not only did they eat and were satisfied, but we're told the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So 5,000 men plus women and children figure uh, every man has probably one wife. There's at least one kid. We're we're talking 15,000 people here. That's the size of a basketball arena. And they all ate and were satisfied. There wasn't one of them there who thought to themselves, man, I wish I had another bite. I wish I had some more. There were 12 basketfuls left over. And there's only one person who can create something out of nothing. And that's the one who spoke all things into existence. There's only one person who can sustain his people with daily bread from his table. He did it for 40 years for the people of Israel in the wilderness as they wandered from Egypt to the promised land. And now here he is in the flesh feeding this crowd because there's only one person who can satisfy us completely, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Earlier, Jesus said, Matthew 8, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So this story, this story, Jesus is giving us a preview of what we all have to look forward to, that one day we will sit down at his table in the kingdom of heaven to a feast, and we will all be completely satisfied in his presence forever and ever and ever. And this meal tells us that that is true. And so here's the thing. When we give people Jesus, when they come to know him as Savior, when they recognize him as Lord, what happens is they are so united to him by faith that even though they might be hungry and hurting and sad, they can know that one day they will sit at his table. And sometimes we convince ourselves, well, that's not enough. But it's more than enough. It's more than enough. So if you're here this morning and you're hungry and you're hurting and you're sad, the church cares. The church cares. Because Jesus has called us to care. But Jesus is all you need. And if you're here this morning and things are wonderful and you're full of joy and you're like me and you want to not care, Jesus is inviting you to care. Because our lack of resources, our inability to meet others' needs, is not a reason to wash our hands of it and walk away. 
It's a reason to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to help. Show me what I can do. And sometimes what that is is just being with them in our inadequacy because we love them. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we see that your son is enough. He is the one who can create something out of nothing. He is the one who can give us bread to eat and we can all be satisfied. We recognize that we accept that by faith many times, much of the time, this side of heaven. But one day, Father, we will sit down at the feast in the kingdom of heaven and all will be well with our souls forever. So may all glory be to Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.